You meet new people. You learn new things. A lot of new things. <laughs> People are important. I am the person I am because of the way you are. Don't be afraid to go for it. Do whatever interests you. Take a chance. Do what you want to do. Don't shoot anybody. Welcome to Elder Wisdom, stories from the Green Bench. I'm Erin Davis. This is the place where we gather virtually to share our stories and our lives, our lessons and our joys. Now, of course, any life has its sad notes, and we go there, too, because that's what the Green Bench is all about. It began and thrives at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes, and I'm so grateful to be able to introduce you to people like our guest today, Felix Romans. Felix is 97 years old, and if you're wondering what keeps him young and loving life at the village of Winston Park in Kitchener, it has to be his art. It also adds a beautiful dimension to a life that is without something many of us take for granted. Because you see, Felix is profoundly hearing impaired, and it's with the help of a lovely staff member named Rebecca Harnick, and you'll hear more about her in a bit, that we're able to have today's chat. Felix and I are joined today on the green bench by Doug Reed, who has kindly stepped in while my beloved co-host Lloyd Hetherington recovers from some long-awaited surgery. We love you, Lloyd, and we're keeping your spot warm here, my friend. Doug Reed is 83, and in addition to our previous chat with Dr. Ray Brown, Doug was our guest in Episode 9 of Elder Wisdom. He lives with his wife, Nell, in the village of Arbor Trails in Guelph, and it is from here that he joins me today as we enjoy our talk together with Felix. Well, first off, thank you, Doug, once again for sitting in for Lloyd on this episode right here on the Green Bench with me. I'm glad that you're able to keep his spot warm while Lloyd is having some gentle recovery, and we're all very grateful for you for being here. Are you feeling more comfortable? Oh, yes, and also I have sent him a few little funnies, and uh, he has reacted. <laughs> well, we know that laughter is the best medicine, and of course, a lot can be said for compassion and kindness. And it is with that in mind today that we're talking with Felix Romans, who is an artist. He's 97 years of age and a resident of the village of Winston Park in Kitchener. And I want to say from the outset that this is not only an in-depth conversation, but a little ambitious because Felix lives with hearing loss, as so many in his and our age groups do because we know that nearly 50% of people 75-plus have trouble with their hearing. And as we mentioned, Felix is 97. And it's because of this, Doug, I'm mentioning this because it really does inform the life that Felix has chosen now for himself. And it's a joyful one, so let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. All right. Felix, thank you for joining us. And you know, part of what we love about your story is that there's an old saying that life begins at 40, and for you, it was a rebirth at 40. Can you tell us some of your story, please, sir? Well, being deaf 
and was kind of a loner. So in order not to get completely bonkers, (laughs) (laughs) I start working with my hands and my mind because that's the only way to keep the aging process from gaining on you. So I keep in contact with my friends by email. So that's the only way I contact with outsiders, with my friends and family. So being closed up on myself, I turn back to art. Mm. I got ideas and in order to develop them, you have to think, organize, you know, use my hands, keep them from getting stiff, keep them really working. So I think for myself, that's the best I can do. Uh, Felix, before we uh, get to the business of your art, what brought you to Canada? Well, I had a brother-in-law that was already here, and I was in a position over there in Belgium that I could not go higher than I was, and I was doing office work. I hate (laughs) office work. (laughs) I wanted to work with my hands, and be some productive, you know. So I, I decided, you know, move the whole family. They thought over there that they was crazy because he was 41. But that didn't stop me. As soon as I got here, I start working, looking for work. The same day I got landed, I went to the employment office and they asked me, uh, what can you do? I say, well, what kind of work do you need? They say, well, I need painters. Say, okay, I'm a painter. (laughs) (laughs) Just jumped in. And so from that time on, I was in the building process. From painting, I went over to drywall. From drywall, I went over to carpentry, building. So I ended up building a complete house. I was self-employed. So I worked like 12 hours a day, six days a week, in order to make ends meet. And finally, I got there. So I had to wait until I was 71 so that I could take my my pension <laughs> and retired. And that's when I could start doing the things I really like, like art and crafts, painting, uh, carving. And that kept me busy. I like doing what comes to my head. I finished one project and already got ideas for two or three more. So that kept me going. So that's the whole idea is keep something for tomorrow. So you you look forward to go to tomorrow and the day after. And so you keep going. Felix, what do you say to people who think that maybe, oh, I don't know if I'm any good at this or if I should even try. How does one start to pursue their love of creativity like you did? People should not sit there and slumber all day long. I have only one life and I want to live it to the end. I want to be aware of what's going on and I want to produce. So if I was just sitting in my chair, dozing off all day long, I think that's a wasted life. So I, I find projects that I look forward to, like being busy tomorrow and the day after and the day after, and that kept me going. 
the fact that I use my hands keep my fingers from stiffening. I'm still use my hands just like I was 20 years ago. Mm. And my only big defect is I'm deaf. Felix, <laughs> um, you mentioned 12 hours, uh, working 12 hours a day for six days a week. Did you begrudge that? Because I have a couple of uh, grandchildren, and if I told them I was uh, talking to a fella, an artist, who uh, used to spend 12 hours a day at work, six days a week, they would just look at me if I was some kind of a, an idiot. Uh, they would rather play on their iPhones and iPads and so on, but uh, they certainly would not want to work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Yeah. See, the seventh day, I was working at my own home, remodeling, painting, repairing. <laughs> so I was working seven days a week, actually. <laughs> that was a full life, and I liked every minute of it. You set a fine example for people of all ages, as Doug refers to with his grandchildren. And I'm thinking of my 88-year-old father who maps out his day according to his naps. <laughs> and I love your energy, but so much of it comes from the joy and the passion of creating. What are you working on right now? And what is your favorite medium in your art? What do you like to work on the most, Felix? Well, for the moment, I'm carving. Ah. Uh, tomorrow, I might have an idea and I might start painting. It, it doesn't matter as long as I'm doing something. <laughs> I finished one project this morning, mm -hmm. and I'm already started to another one. So, like I said, I'm, I never stop. I understand, Felix, that when you retired after your 30 years, you wanted to devote yourself to your love, and you converted one bedroom into a studio for painting yep. and wood burning. So where do you do your artwork now, now that you are uh, living in the village of Winston Park? Where do you actually do it? Well, they gave me the use of uh, a workshop Ooh. with all the mechanical tools I need uh, twice every week because you have to share it with other artists or uh, hobbyists. But in the meantime, you know, I can binge think in my bedroom if it's not too messy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carving is one thing is because uh, I have to clean up after <laughs> a lot of wood chips on the floor and things like that. But anyway, I find a way to, to go around it. Painting is the same thing. I have to put uh, a drop sheet on the floor to make sure that they don't <laughs> drop any paint on the carpet and things like that. But I'm not complaining. That's keep me busy. That's the main thing for me. Keeping busy. What have you carved? Well, uh, I finished a little bell in front of a fire hall, a miniature. And uh, as soon as I finished that, I had an idea of making three owls on a branch. Oh. Owlets, actually. You know, the one in the middle, which is always closed, and the two sides, that side, you know, looking at them 
So that's how I started. <laughs> I hope it turns out nice. <laughs> what kind of wood do you use? I use any scrap wood. You know, wood that would go to the dump. It's not ideal wood, but I don't care. As long as it's soft enough, not to, to be too hard to carve, that's okay. So mostly it's pine or fir. Uh, I had some in really hard wood, but that's hard to work with just an exacto knife. You know, I wish radial could... Uh show some of your work, I would think it would be pretty spectacular. <laughs> Felix, how has your hearing loss informed your creativity? Does it make it easier to block out all of the sounds going on around you so that you can concentrate on bringing out that creation from your piece of wood? But sometimes it's an inconvenience, mm. but being a loner by nature, it doesn't bother me too much. I'm not scared of silence. Uh, it gives me time to think and to reflect. I don't regret my life. I enjoyed every minute of it. So I have good memories. If I really got nothing to do, I can't always relate all the things that happened in my life, the good things. Some bad things I like to forget. <laughs> but just keep on the positive side. Think of all the good things that happened to you. And so far, I think I've been blessed. That is truly an amazing viewpoint to hear from someone who was taken by the Nazis during World War II. You were made to work in factories and awaited your liberation after two years in Germany and then ran at the age of 18 on foot to make it home. Yep. And this is a story that you have written down so that your children will also know. Right. Why was that important to you, Felix? Well, my father was an officer in the Belgian army. And he got shot in 40. From that time on, he was an invalid. I was 13 by that time, so we had to take care of him. My mom, naturally, too. But uh, he needed all the attention he could get. So it took him like 16 years to die from his injuries. Mm. So by that time, you know, I had a whole life in front of me. Uh, I was staying close to my parents so they could jump in every time that they needed me. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy I did it. That was my way of paying back the attention they gave me from a baby. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I don't regret a single moment of it. There's always two sides on the coin. I only took the good one. Well said, well said. You know, if something happens, you could say, it could have been worse. So you make the best of it. And that's how you survive. Making the best of whatever happens to you. That's how being brought up. Your philosophy echoes one of a, a wonderful author and psychiatrist, Dr. Viktor Frankl, whom you have probably heard of who was an Austrian and uh, was taken into the Nazi concentration camps. And when he came out, 
he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning, which, again, it echoes so clearly what it is that you're saying, because, Felix, he also says that man's choice is the only thing that we have, the ability to choose, and you have chosen joy. Yeah, exactly. I was put in a factory, and since I just had three years of German in school, so I was fluent in German, I could speak German, so they put me in an office. So I was a draftsman. My engineer I was working for took me in the beginning, asked me if I was a freiwilliger or a volunteer. I said, no, I've been deported. So he said, don't worry, just keep calm, don't do anything stupid, and we go through it. And that's what happened. Because actually, they were not Nazis. They had to be for the party, but actually themselves, you know, they were human beings. In the beginning, I hated them, but then living with them, I could see that they were worse than we were. They were the first victims of the Nazis. I saw the families, the women, they hated young men coming to take their husband's job so that their husband could descend to the Russian front. And after that, they they understood that it was not our choice. We didn't want it, but we had to do it. So you just bend and let it fly over and just take calm, and that's what happened. You know, the, the whole thing flew over. Another liberation. I couldn't wait because for two years we didn't hear from our family. So we didn't know what happened there, if they were still alive or not, but being young, you know, 18, 19, 20, I didn't wait to be repatriated by the service. I just took my bags and with a couple of friends, we were close to the French borders, we just went to France. (laughs) And from there on, you know, one from repatriation center to the next one, until in a week time, I was home, happy to see that everybody survived. And that that was it. What made you choose Canada? I had a brother-in-law that was already here. Ah, yes. And uh, he came over a couple of times and he saw that I didn't like my office job. So he said, well, you should come over, you should come over. So he told me uh, the best picture I could from Canada. So they decided, they said, well, what do I risk? That's the land of opportunity for me. So we, we just packed everything and came over. I had a wife and two kids, and they never regretted it either. <laughs> Felix gave us... Uh... I guess both sides of the war. Uh, my mm-hmm. son, uh, his mother-in-law is from Germany, and uh, we try not to talk about the war because my wife is from Holland. But uh, not long ago, we were talking about some folks here in our retirement complex felt they were inconvenienced uh, that uh, they had to wait maybe an hour to be vaccinated a second time. And so we were talking about that with the mother-in-law, and uh, she said, you know, we were in Berlin in 1944, 
and we were down in a darkened, terrible basement, and there was bombs and loud noises all over the place, and my sister said, you know, this is really quite an inconvenient. Hmm. And uh, that's the other side of uh, this story, and I think that uh, Felix has uh, presented it in such a way that uh, it certainly gives the whole picture of what's warlike at the basic level, not flying over, not being in tanks, not shooting at each other, but what the average citizen lived through. So thank you, Felix. I have that ability to see both sides, you know, the con and the for. If something happens, you know, and I couldn't blame somebody, I put myself in his shoes and I say, well, if I was him, how should I do it? Then I understood things, you know, why he did it. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> I'm able to see both sides and understand so that I forgive a lot of things because I can say, well, he didn't have no other choice. So, again, we make the best of it. Some people during the war, well, the Germans, they injured my father. But my father said, I'm a soldier. I shot at them too. Mm. So he just accepted this. That's what that happened, you know. If you're a soldier, you're going to be shot at. And that's what happened. So he, he took it. And I said, well, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. After that, I could not hate the German people. I hated the program, the Nazis. But I could not hate the people because, like I said, they were worse off than we were. Uh, the families were completely taken apart. The children, as soon as they were 14, they were put in kind of an uh, prepare for, for the army. 18, they were sent to the Russian front. The father was gone, killed on the Russian front. They were worse off than we were. We suffered, okay. But like I said, there's always worse. Your perspective and your compassion and your empathy, it's the empathy just shines a light on how much better we could all be at being empathetic toward our fellow human and putting ourselves in their shoes. And uh, you are a remarkable example of that, Felix. You truly are. I wish he could bottle it up. Indeed, yes. All I can do, and I hope that our listeners can too, is just to hear and soak in this great lesson in compassion and perspective, because it has made your life better. You have chosen to make your life better, Felix. Yeah. My day has been made better listening to Felix today. My uh, father-in-law ended up in a work camp in Germany, turned out it was the Luftwaffe's number one fighter base and uh, so the Allies had no choice but to blow the place to smithereens. He was an orchestra leader. He managed to get his orchestra, all the fellows, out before it was bombed uh, but uh, as the captain of the ship he went down mm. and uh, so your story uh, balances everything out Felix and I am so happy to hear from you today. Felix, can we ask, have you been back to Belgium since you left it? Uh, 
Yeah, a couple times. Uh, when some family members over there died, so we had to go back. But uh, no, after that, uh, nothing is the same anymore. Everything changed. Family disappears, so there's no more reason to go there. There's so much more to see here. And there's a, such a wide world, you know. I, I like traveling. I travel all the way through the States whenever I could. I went to Mexico, Cuba. I'd like to see how people live over there. It was not just sitting in a resort and basking in the sun. No, I went out, mixed with in the village, mixed with the people, asked them questions. We are only one people living on one world. See, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your religion, we are just human beings sharing one shared earth. And as soon as people start to understand that better, it will be a better life. I think it was uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, uh, for every minute you're angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Isn't that something? And we also talk about how many muscles you use when you frown as opposed to when you smile. And uh, I think that uh, our friend here has uh, hit everything right on the mark. I think so. And Felix, the fact that you have parlayed this positivity and this generosity of spirit and heart and compassion into your art. So now you are able to put what you have in your heart into something that you can actually give to someone to adorn their mantle or for presents during the holidays and that sort of thing. That must feel wonderful to take a piece of scrap or a piece of paper, create something, and then pass on your joy to someone. And it will one day be a legacy. So people say, yeah, Felix made this. Yeah. You know, I want something after I'm gone, something of me staying here, that people can see and say, oh, that's from Felix. <laughs> so as long as they think of me that way, I'm still be living. And I'm so glad you wrote your story for your children to know and understand as well. Well, I, I thank you for the interest you had in my life. That makes me really feel good. Thank you. Do you know what we should do, Aaron? We should uh, convince the Slagles to take one of their green benches over to Felix, and uh, he can carve away, and uh, then we'll bring the bench back and uh, put it right out in front of our office. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, we should definitely be able to share in your artwork, Felix, just as we have in your heart's work today. So thank you so very much for sharing your story with us. And it was just a beautiful conversation. God bless and keep making art and making the world a more beautiful place. Thank you, Felix. Thank you. Once again, thank you to Rebecca and, of course, to Doug and our guest, Felix Romans. Make sure you don't miss an episode of Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. Subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks. We'll let you know just as soon as they're ready for you. We invite you to be heard, too. Share your thoughts and opinions on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom and help everybody find us on this green bench. Just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom Podcast. And you know what? If it's easier, 
go to elderwisdom.ca and find the link. While you're there, take the Elder Wisdom Pledge. It just takes a second, but it means a lot. With our best wishes always to my co-host, Lloyd Hetherington, I'm Aaron Davis. Thanks again, Doug Reed, and thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.